So it's my afternoon. It's his morning. So I'm speaking to Darren Mulligan. That would be from We Are Messengers because they've got something to celebrate. Come What May has just been 15 weeks as number one on two charts, the media-based Christian audience chart, as well as number two on the Billboard's Hot Christian Songs chart. That's like, we're very impressed with people with this stuff. We don't have that in South Africa. We've got like top fives and top ones because we don't have that much to do from. <laughs> but you, when you make it like that in America, yeah, people are impressed. But before we get to all of these, you know, successes in your life and all, let's introduce you just as yourself. They're at home uh, wearing the beanie and no shoes, and you have to introduce yourself now. <laughs> Who is yeah. that? Yeah, I'm Darren Mulligan. I'm an Irishman living in America. Uh, I sing in a band called We Are Messengers. I have a wife and four great kids, and we write music for messy, broken um, human beings, and we start conversations about a God who is very good, no matter what the circumstances. I like when it says in your bio that you all about the underdog, working with the ones that not don't necessarily start at zero, they start at minus 50. But then you yeah. actually know what that feels like, isn't it? When you came from Ireland yeah. and arrived in America, you had to start from minus 50. We did. Well, honestly, my whole life, I started from minus more than 50. <laughs> I guess my whole life I've struggled with um, depression. I've struggled with anxiety, feelings of you know, just not being able to be loved by anybody for whatever reason. I have a wonderful family and a wonderful background. But I guess being human sometimes is just uh, messy all by itself. And I made a lot of mistakes as a young man uh, before Jesus. I've made a lot of mistakes as an older man after Jesus. And uh, I guess I really relate to the stories in the Bible where you see Jesus coming alongside prostitutes and beggars and thieves and the outcasts, because I see myself in all of those stories. And I see uh, a king who doesn't push me away, but draws me close. And so I want to be that to people. We want to, we want to be a band of the people. Like we want to, we're our blue collar. We, I grew up with nothing, you know? And so we're a blue collar band. And uh, our favorite thing is uh, being the most uncool band in Nashville <laughs> and uh, and just watching God do incredible things with a very ordinary bunch of, of men, you know? Yeah, I do have to find out, though, because you were talking about the mistakes you made before you met Jesus. And the thing about being at a place where you don't believe in yourself, where you see yourself as not deserving of anything, disappointed in yourself, disillusioned in the world and all of that, it's like you don't even want someone to believe in you, even Jesus. Yeah. You know, so so how did Jesus yeah. get past that to where you actually followed him and stuff changed? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a long story, you know, uh, too long for now. But I basically journeyed through atheism and alcoholism and adultery and all kinds of things until I got to the point where my long-term girlfriend had fallen in love with Jesus and had this radical life-changing encounter where he he turned everything upside down and she found joy. And I think there was something about that that was really alluring to me because I had never had joy or, or peace in my life. And I saw it in her. And long story short, I, I came to Jesus because I was afraid because I knew I was a dead man in my own sin. But the reason that I stay with Jesus 
is because that woman, Heidi, my wife, uh, when I told her about all the things I had done, uh, she forgave me and put her arms around me and told me she loved me and kissed me. And that reminded me of the love of Jesus. And so understanding Jesus from a theological point of view, reading the scriptures changed to a very practical, real world thing when another human demonstrated it to me. And so Holy Spirit called me and then my wife showed me the love of Jesus. And and I guess that's why we still do what we do. And, And I would like to say that I'm a perfect you know, great man now, but the truth is I'm still very, very flawed and I make a lot of mistakes. Um, but I was just teaching some kids, some university kids last night uh, up in Nashville, Tennessee, about um, by Jesus. They had never really heard about him before. And so I told them the story of the prostitute, you know, the woman caught in adultery, standing ready to be stoned by all of the religious people. And uh, Jesus starts doodling, drawing on the ground and the sand. And then he says, well, which one of you is without sin? If you're without sin, you throw your stone, smash her in the head, you know, because that was the law at the time. It still is the law in many, many Middle Eastern countries, lest we not forget mm. how privileged we are to be free. Um, but Jesus called them out on their sin. And when they all put their stones down, Jesus said to the woman, where are these people who condemned you? He said, they're gone and I don't condemn you either. You know, go in peace and shalom and sin no more. And I suppose that's what we are messengers try to do. We try to replicate and imitate what he did in those moments for the most vulnerable people in our, in our communities. Okay, but then we are messengers. You did the whole America thing. You come and you're really successful. Now, the thing is when you, when you come from a broken place, where self-image mm-hmm. is a problem, self-identity is a problem and all of that. You go, you come to Jesus and it blows up to this extent. There is this yeah. thing that, that your identity quick, 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 quick comes back to now I'm successful in what I do now. Um, yeah. What keeps you grounded now as in seriously hard wise? Yeah. Well, I suppose I haven't always been grounded. Um, I'm, I'm very grounded in the last few years, especially in my life. Um, because I've, I've come back to wanting to live a disciplined life, live a life that looks like Jesus. But I guess what practically what keeps me grounded is I grew up in a very normal working class family. And so no one's going to allow me to think any more of myself. Um, and my wife too, and my kids, you know, I can go out and I can play for thousands of people every night. And then I can come home to our wee house. And I really, what I, what I know I am is I'm a daddy and I'm a husband. Like that's it. And, I tell my kids every night, Jeannie, and I tell them that uh, daddy's going to mess up. Daddy's going to make mistakes. Don't be like daddy when he's angry, when he's short-tempered, when he's not kind. That's a guy called Darren, and he sings in a band called We Are Messengers. Be like the guy who is kind, who is, who is funny, who's playful, who shows you mercy. Be like him because that's Darren. And he too plays in a band called We Are Messengers, <laughs> but he's becoming like Jesus. So I let them know that uh, this side of heaven, none of us are going to be perfect, um, but we're going to push on as best we can. Hey, but the kids keep you humble, don't they? Are you are you a fun dad? Oh. Or are you I am, yeah. To get I'm this a, right? No, I'm a fun dad. I'm, a, I'm schizophrenic, bipolar in that regard. So I'm really fun. I'm really disciplinarian. So I don't have a middle ground. So I'm either 
playing stupid games on the floor with them or I'm saying, you got to do this. Um, I see, I think discipline is really important. I was disciplined growing up, even though my parents didn't know Jesus. And it stood to me in so many ways. Um, but now we have this beautiful balance where I understand mercy and I understand grace. And so even if I do discipline my kids when I have to do that, we'll talk about it before we discipline and we'll talk about it after we discipline so they know why and they understand that I love them. And so it's it's a strange thing because I think we grow, we're in a culture now where discipline, we're following leadership seems like a a childish thing to do. And I think it's such an important part of our culture. We need to honor those who've gone before us. We need to honor our mother and father and those in authority. And I want to teach my kids to be honorable young men and women who are not afraid to stand up for what is right. Mm. But also being a dad is a glimpse into the heart of God, the father as a dad. What do you think he thinks of you now that you're a dad and you work with your kids on rainy days and sunny days? What's, what's, what's the thing that surprised you about being a dad as in relation to who God is as your dad? That, that's so good. Um, well, unfortunately, I think my kids have taught me how to be a daddy. You know, it's not like you have children and then you know what to do. They've really taught me and they've changed me. Um, but I think the father looks at me and probably says, Darren, you should go easier on these kids. And then at times I find this hard to say, because, again, I've struggled with this idea of being loved for many years, most of my life. But I think he's cheering me on. I think he's saying, come on, son, you can do it. And I think he wants me to be that kind of dad for my kids. While I know the Lord disciplines me and I need disciplining, I know that he's cheering me on and I want to be that kind of daddy. So it's. It's it's the gospel, isn't it? It's truth and grace. You know, you can't have one without the other. Both of them need to coexist. So I think he applies the same to me. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be a dad sometimes. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal <laughs> because they shine such a light on all of your flaws. You know, I think one of the best things I've done is I've learned how to say sorry to my kids. So me and my wife, when, when we do something that's out of order, or we feel like we haven't been kind to our kids, we've learned to, sit, to, to go to them and say, here, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And I think, I think we're teaching our kids uh, that it's okay to mess up. Everybody does it. Do you remember when we were children and we used to think our parents had it all together and then you grow up and you realize your parents don't have it all together? <laughs> well, I've realized that now. I realize that I'm never going to get to where I think I should be and that I can only do the best I can with who I am and what I have. Okay, I'm curious about another thing. That accent of yours. You see South Africans, they go and visit uh, America for three weeks, and they come back with an American accent. You've been there <laughs> since 2015, and you sound raw Irish still. Uh, so do you just uh, you decide, I'm not going to bend, I'm not going to break, I'm an Irishman? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Irish through and through. There's no change in it. Um, we do go home to Ireland for a few months a year. So we try and get home for two or three months every year. And so also you talked about grounding. It grounds me to be home. You see, I'm a man who loves being out in the mountains. I love um, growing vegetables. I love being out in the wilderness. And so when I go home, it, it reinvigorates my accent to protect me from the Americanisms of Nashville, Tennessee. Thank God, because I really don't want to sound like a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can hear. Okay, okay. We, we won't tell the Americans that's what they like. <laughs> we'll play this one in South Africa. But do people um, stop you to have you talk and say something because they like your accent? All the time. Yes, all the time. I, w- I was in a supermarket yesterday and I was looking about a phone or something. And I think one of the strangest things I find is that it's really strange to walk into random buildings and people know who I am. So I'm trying to get a phone and this guy's trying to get an autograph. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to interact with this because I still I still don't take myself particularly seriously, you know. Uh, but a lot of people would want to hear me say Irish words and everyone thinks they're Irish here. Uh, and it's quite sweet. It's quite endearing. But um, it's definitely an advantage. You can say a lot more things with an Irish accent than you could if you didn't have one. <laughs> okay okay but do people always understand you because that's the other thing you both speaking english but do people sometimes yeah. misunderstand you because they can't hear what you're saying yeah, all the time i just called a guy there about a dishwasher i bought from a, a local store and i had to say the number eight and he could not <laughs> understand it so i kept saying well it's the number between seven and nine and he's like is it seven or nine so no the number in the middle <laughs> uh, so there's certain things I say that nobody understands. It'd be the same for you guys in South Africa if you were here too. <laughs> I know you got you guys. It's you the worst. We understand <laughs> perfectly. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we are going to have to play this song of yours because obviously now it's done very well everywhere. Um, we already mm-hmm. have it on our station, but I'd love for you to, if you're talking about come what may. Um, and I'm yeah. listening to the song, and to me, it's just beautiful. But I want to know. I want to know what your heart wants me to hear when I hear the song. What do you want me to hear? Yeah. Well, I suppose I want to remind people through "Come What May" that Jesus is not just present in the good times; He's present in the hard times. And just like you know, Paul says, you know, in all things I've learned, you know, that that Christ is with me in highs and lows and mountain tops and valleys. And I think we alienate believers when we say things like, if you follow Jesus, you should be happy. You should be joyful. Your life should be good. Because the truth is, we're not promised any of that. Those things are bonuses. What we are promised is that Jesus will never leave us and forsake us. So come what may, no matter whether I have plenty or nothing, whether I'm sick or whether I'm well, Jesus is still good and God is still on the throne and our hope is perfect and secure in him. Okay, we're going to listen to the song. And while we're listening to the song, we're going to scroll on social media and find you guys and see if you've got anything else to say that we can keep on following. So give me your socials. Uh, our socials are Instagram, We Are Messengers, Facebook, We Are Messengers, and website, We Are Messengers Music.com. You see, we can all do that. Messengers, you'll have to spell messengers because South Africans can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> M-E-S-S-E-N-G-E-R-S Okay, can we just bless you? We'd love to bless you. Yeah, from this one yeah. country of ours. We love Jesus and we love the word. And uh, Isaiah mm. 55, 1 and 2, but specifically 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. And we pray mm. in the name of Jesus Christ that you will always have the living water. So the people can come and drink from Jesus, 
Not from we are messengers, but they can come and drink no. from Jesus, that they don't miss Jesus because they're so impressed with you guys that they miss Jesus. We pray. <laughs> no, we want to pray that you will shine your light. You'll do your deeds in such a way that it'll shine That's the light. Right. That people see the light and then turn to Jesus and thank the Father because of what you guys are doing. Get that thing right. It'll be awesome yes. to follow your career 20 years from now and still see you actually <laughs> truly shining that light. And we bless you that you will always be drawn to the light so that you can shine it so that people will always thank have you. fresh water and fresh bread to eat from you guys. And we want to bless you with that mm. in the name of Jesus Christ. May it be so. I receive it. And it's lovely chatting because sometimes when you live in America and you're surrounded by so many um, Christians, it can be a very cultural thing. Mm. And I'm always... I love going back home to Ireland and I see the Christian community and you realize how small it is, but they're so passionate. They're so hungry for the things of God. And I see that in you. Let me bless you. Like I see Holy Spirit in you because you're still hungry. You see, the only people that meet Jesus and don't change are the ones that don't want to change. And you have wanted that and you want that for others. So that is a beautiful thing. And I, I hope I still have it. I believe I do. Uh, but I can promise you I ain't ever going to be able to steal the glory of God. Not, not, no, I couldn't even scratch it. It's all his. <laughs> all right. Amen. Okay, now we know that he can talk. Let's find out if he can sing. Here's come what may <laughs> from We Are Messengers.